going to open in prayer and we'll get started, okay? Father, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the health and safety you've provided. We thank you for all these people, these campers that have come, that, Lord, um, you're allowing us to be ambassadors for you and touching their lives. And in doing so, you are touching them. And we thank you for this opportunity. Help us not to look at it too lightly. Tonight, Lord, also as we focus on worship again, and tonight's topic being, I don't know how to even say it, sort of shocking in some ways, but Lord, may your word just really shine forth in truth. Give us minds, Holy Spirit, to teach us, and in, maybe in some cases to make radical and drastic changes in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about worship. This is the third lesson on this. And what we have covered so far, this is like the third installment of the first section. The first thing we talked about, for those who were not here, we did a whole thing showing what worship is not. That it's not the song service. That is not what worship is. Though the evangelical church has been calling it that for almost 30 years now, that's not what worship is. I was thinking, when I was uh, a teenager, back when the earth was cooling, there, w there was, uh, um, no one ever called themselves a worship leader. They are all called song leaders. But in the 1980s, it started to change. And today, most song leaders are called worship leaders. And as we've seen, that's a misnomer. That's not, that is not accurate. It's not biblical. Um, but things like that sort of, sort of get in trends and they're hard to break. We've also seen um, what the words in the Bible, Old and New Testament, what the words for worship are and what their meanings are. And we've seen some examples of worship in uh, both the Old and New Testament. Now, tonight, this one is really, I got to say, it's probably my favorite one of what I've written so far, but I've only written three. Um, <laughs> it's sort of hard when you're handicapped. Um, now, those who are listening on the website have no idea what I'm talking about, but my hand is all wrapped up um, from getting cut with an axe, and so it's really hard to type one-handed. Uh, but this is a really important lesson, and I tell you, I think the Holy Spirit is really, gonna sp really going to teach us something tonight, and it might be a little hard to listen to. So, as we delve into what is unacceptable worship. Okay, there's different types of worship. What is acceptable and what is unacceptable to God? And as I study scripture and stuff like this, there's basically four types of unacceptable worship found in the Bible that I could come up with. And I've checked with other theologians, they have the same thing. Other theologians make myself sound like I'm important. I checked with theologians to see if I was correct. And it seems to be that there are four basic types of, of unacceptable worship. So, let's delve into this, and i got a couple of stories to start off with. Um, a lady was cooking in her kitchen a while back, and she was making home, uh, homemade tortillas. All of a sudden, she screamed in the kitchen. Her husband in another room came running in uh, to the kitchen to see what was going on, and she showed him this charred image uh, burnt into this this tortilla. Now, those, 
I know if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but what there is, there is supposedly the image of Christ. Here's this lady holding it. Maria Rubio is holding the thing. There's a tortilla there with the image of Christ. Now, I am not making this up. Um, I mean, you've probably seen things like this on the Jay Leno uh, talk shows and stuff like that where they try and, you know, they pull up things that looks like, you know, a tortilla looks like Pope John Paul or something. You know, they got all these things. Uh, even a tortilla or a cheese doodle that looks like Jay Leno or something. Well, they've made a comedy career out of doing these things. Going back, the lady's husband agreed the image on there looked like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what did they do? They took this um, tortilla to the priest, their priest, to have it blessed. The priest blessed it, did some ritualistic thing, and blessed the tortilla. They brought it home. They built a shrine in the backyard, mounting the tortilla on a whole pile of cotton balls to make it look like clouds, and it was sort of floating in the air. People by the thousands came to worship the tortilla, the blessed tortilla. In an interview, when I was reading this in the newspaper, it says, the husband says, ever since the tortilla came into our lives, our house has been so peaceful. Okay. This past January, on CBS, there was a, a report about this home where people believe the image of Mary, the Virgin Mary, is appearing on the wall of this bedroom. And Denise Simon, it's her house, uh, reported it, that this image brought the family very close together. She says that her deceased father, who was a Roman Catholic, is probably the one responsible uh, for bringing the image into the house. Now, since this has happened, it's, it's what it is, it's mold growing on the wall. But um, ever since this happened, people have been flocking by the hundreds, since January now, to, by the hundreds to go to this house, and now they do daily services and stuff there, and people worship the mold on the wall. Isn't it wild? How we worship, what we worship. There are some really interesting things here. You know, um, sometimes people do seem to worship God in very strange ways. Um, but on the other hand, I've also heard it said, well, at least they're worshiping God. And because they're worshiping God, that makes it okay. Uh-huh. Is that true? Just because they're worshiping God, does that make it acceptable? You think God is accepting this? Well, if you read the Bible... The answer is unequivocally, no, it is not. In this lesson, we are going to see that God does not accept all this type of, all forms of worship. There are unacceptable worship. But a lot of people think that because you're worshiping God, he'll accept anything. Even if it goes against what God directly says. Like these, the tortilla in the mold. We're going to see this as we go through this. And, yeah, uh, God does not accept unacceptable worship. It's a hard lesson. It's biblical, both Old and New Covenant. You find it all through there. So, God does not accept uh, unacceptable worship. And as we get into this, I'm going to go into the four types now of 
worship. And I'm going to give you examples so you can find these. Many of these you probably know already. My, maybe some of you are already formatting some of these Bible stories and stuff in your minds of where somebody unacceptably was worshiping God and God was not pleased. And he said so. First of all, number one, unacceptable worship one, the worship of false gods. That's pretty simple. You know, idol worship, in other words. Idol worship is something that is obviously um, not tolerated by God. It goes against the Ten Commandments. You start off in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I want you to notice, if you've been following with us, in verse 5, there's something very interesting here. Two of the words we talked about last week for worship have to deal with bow down, and the other one, serve. So this is talking about worship. Make no doubt about it. This is about worship. In fact, one of the names of God is actually jealous. That's, that's one of God's names. I mentioned this before also. Exodus 34, 14. You shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. The Hebrew word here is kana. So El Kana is another name of God. You know how God has different type of names and stuff? El Shaddai, um, Adonai, um, Elohim. There's a bunch of names. El Kana is one of his names also. And now this is not the jealousy that, you know, like boyfriend, girlfriend thing type. This is a possessive thing. God does not want to share worship with any other God or any idol. He is very jealous because he is the only one who deserves worship. That was the problem with Satan because Satan wanted to be worshiped also. So that's where we're running into this problem. So, um, we read many Bible stories, like I say, Old and New Covenant, where you can come across and see this jealous God and seeing also God is not willing to share. He just doesn't do that. He is the one who deserves worship. Now, you might be thinking, well, no one does this today. No one worships idols. Oh, yeah? If you're thinking that one, you're wrong. I know a lot of people that worship idols. Um, there's many type of idols that are mentioned in the Bible. Um, there's some like, you know, Baals, Bel, Diana, Asherah, Anat, Chemosh, Marduk. There's a bunch of idols that are mentioned in the Bible. And yeah, they're not supposed to worship them. And if you read the Old Testament, like in um, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, you see these constantly coming up. And God is a very jealous God. And we're not supposed to worship these. I mean, it, it sort of is funny, though, that people will take, like the picture on the, on the extreme left there, a piece of stone, that people will take a stone, carve into the stone, it's just an ordinary rock, carve into the stone and then fall down and worship this thing and say, you made me. You know, then they'll take a tree and they'll burn it and make a fire and have a sacrifice. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing, but that's what people do. Now, of course, not many people probably worship Asherah, though that religion is coming back, by the way, if you don't know. Um, it is found on many uh, major university campuses in the United States. Asherah worship is coming back. 
but I'm not going to get into the Asherah-type worship. Um, God just condemns. It's just flat out God condemns anyone who worships idols. And, but the thing is, today, most people say, well, I don't worship an idol. Most professing Christians would say that they don't worship false gods. They don't worship idols. Well, an idol does not necessarily, and I know many of you know this, probably most of you know it, an idol does not have to be represented by a piece of stone, a rock, or um, you know, some wooden object or something like that, a silver little Diana or whatever. That, that's not the only type of idols that, that are found inside the Bible. So we're going to look real quick at just a couple here and just show you. In the book of Job, Job 31, verses 24 and 25, look at the idol that's here. If I made gold my trust or called fine gold my confidence, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand has found much. What's, what's he talking about here? Money. Wealth. You know something? I know some people myself. Money is their God. Wealth is their God. They might not realize it. Most of them probably don't. But they are worshiping. That is the number one thing in their life. They spend more time thinking about money and wealth than they even do about God. It's become an idol to them. That's one. There's, there's other ones. Let me give you another one really quick here. Because Job's talking about money. Here's a different one. Um, in Habakkuk 1.16 records... Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Okay, what's this talking about? Living in luxury, materialism. That's another idol that a lot of Christians fall into worshiping without realizing it. We have to be very cautious and be careful, too, about throwing stones because it's very easy to fall in to this type of an idol worship. So it's just not the little things. God is just saying, I am jealous. I am the only one you are to worship, period. That's in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus, by the way, reiterates that. Now, let's go to the second one. Unacceptable worship too. The worship of God in the wrong way. The worship of God in the wrong way. To worship God in any other way than what he has instructed is unacceptable. For instance, when Aaron... At the foot of Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, as Moses has been up there, they've already you know, heard the voice of God and stuff like this. Moses has gone up. He's been up there for a long time. And the people come up to Aaron and say, we don't know what happened to Moses. Why don't you fashion us a God and, um, to lead us and stuff like that? So they, the, the people start to do this, and Aaron falls right in with it. But you understand something? If you know the story, he wasn't making a new God. The golden calf was not a new God. What he was doing is he was making an image of God. I mean, they just got done hearing God's voice. They know that he's God. They just got done seeing what God did to the Egyptians with all the plagues and stuff and opening up the Red Sea and the Passover. They know God and what they were asking Aaron, give us an image of God to worship. So Aaron stupidly falls into this. Talk about succumbing to peer pressure. So here we are. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5, look what God says about that, about making an image. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. He's saying no images. Now, there are some denominations that have a real serious problem with this one. 
And they justify this in a lot of ways. But can it be any clearer than God himself saying, you don't make any image? No. And you don't bow, bow down to these images. So there are some places that have a lot of problem with this. So what did Aaron do? I love this. <laughs> what a goofy idiot. Exodus 32.4, and he received the gold from their hands, that's all the people, and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. What Aaron is doing is making this thing and saying, this is the God we just heard. This is him. You know, almost all through the Old Testament, whenever God is portrayed in an image, they always make him into a calf. When I was in Israel going to museums and going to different uh, sites, I would find artifacts. You can find uh, bulls and stuff like that. Those were symbols for the true God, which was against his commandment. Oh, but they're worshiping God. Not in the way that he said. He said not to do it that way, yet the people did it. And, of course, then the people suffered for it. Aaron led the people into worshiping this reduced image of the true God. But God cannot be made into an image. Why? God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth, as our main text tells us in verse 24 of John chapter 4. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The people had made a physical representation to represent the one true God. And even though they were worshiping God, they were breaking his laws in doing it, and that is unacceptable. I was recently asked just a couple of weeks ago by a summer staffer, it was right after the um, orientation weekend, a summer staffer came up and asked me, how do I picture God the Father? And I sort of stood there for a second and thinking, Hmm. I said, why, why are you asking me this? And well, I was just wondering, what is your image of God the Father? Hmm. I said, well, what do you picture? And this person said, well, I've always had this image of God, you know, an old man with a big, long white beard sitting on a really shiny throne. Hmm. Well, I said, I don't picture him like that. Oh, how do you picture him? I don't. What do you mean you don't? God is spirit. How do you do that? By even forming an image like that, do you realize it's wrong? To have an image like that? Jesus himself, being God, says God is spirit. You have to worship him. Yes, you worship him in spirit and in truth. I know some of you are already biting at the bit. Would you please tell me what that means, spirit and truth? hey, we got, we got uh, five more lessons to go. Can't give you everything in one night. <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. So that's what's you know, going on. You can't really picture an image of God the Father. He's, he's spirit. God is spirit. How can you make an image of spirits? You can't. So anything that we could ever come up with is going to fall short of who God is. So God says, don't do it. Even though you're worshiping God, God says, don't do it. Do it. Oop, wrong button. What in the world just happened? I have no idea what that, what's going on here. This is fun. 
No, I didn't touch anything. My PowerPoint has, is refusing to cooperate. There we go. I have no idea what's going on. So let's go back. Now, now will it work? Yay, there we are. Voila, sorry about that. That's what happens when you're a right-handed person using a clicker in your left hand. <laughs> in Acts chapter 17, giving you a New Testament one, Paul spoke at Mars Hill, very famous speech. And when he was talking to the Athenians who were there, if you'll recall, he was walking around, it says in Acts 17, he was seeing all these idols and altars and stuff, and he scolded them because of their incorrect worship of God. There was an altar to the unknown God, so they knew that there was a God out there, they just don't know who it was, and they were worshiping him, they were doing sacrifices, there was an altar, but Paul says, you guys are doing this wrong. You know, besides they were worshiping all sorts of other things. Incorrect worship. It's not acceptable. Mm -mm. So Paul tries to straighten them out. Now, this makes me a little uneasy. For today, many people do worship God in incorrect ways. They worship God, yes, but not in the way he commands that's unacceptable. And we see it all through the Bible. Unacceptable worship number three. The worship of God in a self-styled manner. A self-styled manner. Um, one very common error we often make today in worshiping God is that we've strayed from God's worship design. God tells us how we're supposed to worship. In the Old Covenant, he spent a whole lot of time talking about it. I'm always amazed at how much people will argue about the first chapter of Genesis and about the creation of all matter and all the things in the universe, which is like, you know, 30-something verses. And we argue and we, we study that one so much, but we never study about the tabernacle. Over 260 verses compared to like 30 tells us right there, which one's more important? Worship. In the New Covenant, it's explained also. God gives us the directions on how to do this. And it seems that many feel that as long as they are worshiping God in some form, it's acceptable. But, as I'm going to show you, God's word is abundantly clear this is not the case. We have to worship God in the way he says. You cannot come up with your own method of worshiping God. Though many churches and denominations have done just that, but God does not accept it. So we're going to take a look at a couple of examples here real fast of some, uh, of, some of these things. Let's, let's look at some from the Word. Um, the first one is an example of Nadab and Abihu. Now, this, these are the two sons of Aaron. He had more sons, but these were two of the sons. And they had just become priests uh, when you get into Leviticus chapter 10. They've just become priests. They've been up at the mountain. They got to see the feet of God with the 70 elders. What a blessed event that must have been. They have actually heard God speak. Whoa. And so now they come down from the mountain and they start to in, uh, get involved in the worship ceremonies that are performed there, but they do it in a self-styled manner. They didn't follow God's directions to the letter. And in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, uh, now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. Okay, right there you see what's going on. They're doing something they're not supposed to. They're doing their own little thing. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Whoa! 
aren't you glad God doesn't do that in our churches today? When we don't worship correctly, you know, zap, fire comes down through a window or something like that and just burns you into a, you know, overdone piece of bacon. But why did God do that? Well, these guys, had, like I say, had just become priests and stuff, and they were doing a self-styled worship, and God doesn't accept that. And he was making an example right there of, in front of all of the Israelites, you worship me correctly, there is no other way. You've got to do it my way. The self-centered thing doesn't work. Here's another one. So God did not accept the self-styled worship procedure. To make an example, he killed them right then and there. Let's look at King Saul. And King Saul, another great example. You guys all know who King Saul was, the guy who tried to kill David and stuff. He was king. He had an army in Israel. He was about ready to fight the Philistines. And this is in 1 Samuel chapter 13. He's getting ready to fight the Philistines, and he's waiting for Samuel. Samuel told him to get the army there, and that Samuel would come and would do a sacrifice, a burnt offering and a peace offering and stuff, and then, then they could go out and fight the Philistines. Well, Samuel was delayed. And Saul, seeing some of his troops getting a little nervous and scared and starting to run off, Saul decides to do the sacrifice himself, which he is not allowed to do. 1 Samuel 13, 9 through 13. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greeted him. Samuel said, what have you done? Going down to verse 13, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. In other words, you've sinned. And because of this, Saul, his line was going to be cut off and he was going to die. Uh, eventually, he was, from this point on, he was just really uh, not following God whatsoever. This is when he starts going after David and stuff like this. So that's where all of this begins. Saul worshiped. God in an incorrect way. Now, he was doing a burnt offering. That's a way of, of you know, these offerings were set up in the book of Leviticus and on, on, Numbers. How, you, how do you do this stuff? And it was all set up. And the thing is, he was doing an offering. He was worshiping God, but it wasn't the right way. We have to be careful. He chose to do a self-styled type of worship. And it cost him. Let's look at another example. How about King David himself? Yeah, David now is king. He's living in Jerusalem. He's wanting to do something really neat. The tabernacle is, the temple's not built yet because Solomon builds that later on. So the tabernacle is the primary place of worship. And so David wants to bring it to Jerusalem. So he arranges to have the Ark of the Covenant brought to Jerusalem, which is a good thing, honorable thing. The thing is, he didn't do it right. Because only the Levites are allowed to carry the Ark of the Covenant on poles. David puts it on a cart pulled by oxen to move it. Now you think, well, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, you're going against the command of God in how he is going to be treated and worshipped. Here's the, what happens in 2 Samuel 6, 6 and 7. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God, took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. Whoa. Even though this was a good thing, David bringing the ark here as a form of worship. There was celebrations and everything going on. David's dancing around, and he's playing stuff, and everybody was doing all this stuff that was all in praising and worshiping God. Boom, they didn't do it right. God doesn't accept it. 
God made an example of Uzzah that self-styled worship is not acceptable, no matter how pure your motives. No matter how pure your motives. Let's look at another one. King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a good king. He was one who followed the ways of David. And he was very smart, very intelligent. He was extremely popular. Uh, and a contemporary of, king, uh, of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah wrote even beautiful things about him, how the people really loved him. And he was very popular because he led the people in, in worshiping God. So he was doing good. But he got a little sidetracked because he started to worship God in a self-styled manner. Let me show you how it is. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, 16 through 19. But when he was strong, that's the king, he grew proud. Pride and God, human pride and God just don't go together. But he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He went into the holy place where the altar of incense was. Now, he had a censer in his hand to burn. The priest followed him in there all yelling at him. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. Though he was worshiping God, he decided to do it in his own way, and he was struck with leprosy because of that. So, God has to be worshiped his way. God did not accept this worship, gave him leprosy for being disobedient. Hmm. Okay. Well, Michael, all these are in the old covenant. What about the new covenant? Is this in the new? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about Pharisees? Oh, yeah, the Pharisees. We always look down on the Pharisees. But Pharisees were sort of a, an important thing when they first came because they were calling people back to God. But then they got a little sidetrack in their type of worship and stuff like that. And Jesus was always having confrontations with them. Uh, in Matthew 15, 9, he describes the Pharisees like this. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. In other words, the Pharisees had become had made a whole pile of traditions that God never said. They sort of discarded God's word and made their traditions. And man-made traditions are not a way of worshiping God. Though there are some denominations today that put the word of God on a balance that weighs equally with human tradition. Right here, Jesus says, traditions, uh-uh. That was the thing with the Pharisees. You don't need human traditions, you need the word of God. And that's what was going on here. So, again... In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus condemns the Pharisee for their self-styled worship. That's the chapter that goes, woe to the Pharisees, woe to the Pharisees, woe to the Pharisees, and they're not riding horses. So that's what's going on here. The whole point is we should be very careful how we worship God. And because we worship the true God, if we're not careful to follow his commands, it's unacceptable. And the fourth way, the fourth type of unacceptable worship, the worshiping of God with the wrong attitude. Oh, I've never been guilty of this. And if you're thinking that, well, you're better than me because I've done that. This is a tough one. The wrong attitude. It is imperative that our hearts be right with God. And that our worship is just not following some form of ritual or liturgy or ceremonial processes. We're to have the right heart. 
when we come to worship God. Again, there's some denominations that get into all sorts of rituals and ceremonies. Mm -mm. That's not true worship, the worship of God in spirit, no. And of course, there's other churches that do just the opposite. They are so laid back, um, you never know what in the world's going on there. It's become like an entertainment center. So we have to be careful with this one. Um, in the Christian churches today, I, I do fear that a lot of what we call worship, and I've mentioned this before, uh, is simply following a routine, um, a habit. Uh, and we, we do so without preparing our hearts for worshiping God in spirit and in truth. We have become followers, in many cases, of ceremony and think that because we sing some songs that we've worshiped. Or we think because we've listened carefully to a sermon. Wow, I've worshiped. Or I've read my Bible in church service. I worshiped. That's not worship. Mm -mm, that is not worship. But a lot of people think that. Just going through the motions of worship is not worshiping God. And we're all guilty of that, myself included. I have done this many times. And it's not worshiping God in spirit and truth, which is unacceptable. It is unacceptable. Um, in the prophet Malachi, during his day, uh, the people were going through motions of worship. Let me show you what I'm talking about here because this is illustrated so well in the Bible. I'm just going to pick out a few here. But people, this is when people were going through the motions of worship without the right heart, without the right attitude. And in Malachi chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says this, But you say, how have we polluted you by saying that the Lord's table may be despised? When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to the governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? What's going on here is the people in Malachi's day were bringing blind animals, sick animals, instead of the best, they were giving God the worst, the things, the, the, the discards. It's like when we get a paycheck. You know, we, we don't take the tithe out. We, we do all the other things first. You know, we'll go to the movies. We'll, we'll go to a restaurant. We'll, uh, you know, we'll pay our bills and stuff like that. Then if we got money left over, well, let's see. I think I got a few dollars here I can throw on the offering plate. That's what's going on here. And God is saying that is unacceptable. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a process called first fruits. God explains it very well when Joshua took over Jericho. The first city in the promised land they conquered, it belonged to God. They couldn't take, they weren't supposed to take anything out of it. Burn everything as a sacrifice, gold, silver, bronze, and iron goes into the treasury of God. And first fruits is covered all through Scripture. I bet there's people today who still does this, doing this type of thing. And it's wrong. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Let me show you another one. Amos, the prophet Amos wrote about this false type of worship, this unacceptable worship. And in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, this is God speaking. I hate, whoa, did God say that? I hate, I despise your feasts. And you know what these feasts are? Those are those worship things found in the Torah. Feast of tabernacles and all that fun stuff. The feast of booths, you know, a lot of different feasts that they had in celebrating and worshiping God. God is saying, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. 
Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offering of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to make melody for your harp. So I will not listen. God is shutting them down because they are worshiping incorrectly. They're coming to God, but it's not with their heart. They've got impure motives, they've got an unclean heart, and they're coming to God and thinking they can just come in, worship, and go out, and now they've cleared everything up with God. I know a person one time who says, I like going to church on Sunday mornings because I go there and I confess my sins, and then as soon as I get out, I start thinking, okay, what, how can I dirty up my slate again? But then I've got to go back on Sunday and get it cleaned up again. That is not worship. That is not worship. <laughs> no, that, that, that's not the right way of doing it. Let's look at another one. How about this one? Um... In the book of Hosea, Hosea speaks on this too. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Michael. God commanded us to use burnt offerings and sacrifices as a form of worship, but here he's saying, I don't really desire that. What, what's going on? Is he contradicting himself? No, he's talking about what's in the heart. Just going through the motions of worship is not enough. That won't do it. No, there's more to it. Look, look, look at this. Isaiah is another one who records how the people were offering God worship with the wrong attitude and how God doesn't accept it. So we're going to see it again. In the book of Isaiah, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 11 through 15, this is what God says. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings, because their heart's not in it. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I, I cannot endure iniquity in solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm, I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. What were they doing? They were coming to God to worship with the wrong attitude. It's that simple. That's what they were doing. God does not accept it. What about the New Testament? Yeah, let's go back Talking to the Pharisees, when Jesus talks to the Pharisees who were so wrapped up in their ritualistic worship and the wrong attitude, Jesus quotes from Isaiah to them, and he says this. In Mark chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, and he, that's Jesus, said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. This is new covenant. Again, here we are, tradition versus the commands of God. And Jesus is shooting down this idea of all these traditions and stuff. And he's shooting it down because the people were coming to worship God with the wrong attitude. We have to be extremely careful that we do not do this. It's not enough, folks, to just go through rituals of worship. Mm -mm. 
There's more verse. I wish I had more time to show you more verses in this, but there are so many examples in the Bible of unacceptable worship. And just going through that type of worship, just going in and saying, okay, I'm going to go worship God now. I'm not cleaning up my act or anything. I'm just going to go in because I think it's time. I need to get some core points with God or something like that. It's not enough to just sit and sing songs of praise. It's not enough to just sit and listen to a sermon. No. The worship of God is not going to be accepted, as God tells us, unless our attitudes are right and our hearts are right with God. So let me ask you. When you go to a worship service, what is your mind focused on? What you're wearing, who you're going to see, what you're going to be doing after the service, what that person is saying over there, who's showing up today, what songs we're going to sing. Hmm, that's a good song. I like that one. Oh, I don't care for that song. I've had people come up to me and say, I just can't get into sometimes in a church service, I can't get into the, into the worship. Why? Some of the songs they pick, I, I just don't get into, so I can't worship. Or I've heard, oh, the sermon was too long. It really, really stymied my, my worship. Or the sermon was too dry. It makes it very difficult to worship. Then you're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. You're not doing it correctly. If you're counting on that kind of stuff, you're looking for an emotional high. That's not what the Word of God is saying. The Word of God is saying you've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have your heart right. Because when you come before God, we're coming before the most holy entity that has ever existed. We can't begin because he's the standard of holiness. It's so important to have the right attitude and the right condition of our hearts before we go into a service or any type of worship, no matter where it's at in a church, out in the woods, sitting in your bedroom, wherever, to have the right type of attitude because we are coming before almighty, holy God. God does not accept incorrect worship. I've showed you examples here. If you've got a problem with that, you've got a problem with God because I'm just quoting the word. And I'm not taking it out of context. Study this carefully. You'll see. God does not accept unacceptable worship. If it's done incorrectly, he will not accept it. It's that simple. And how many times we go someplace and we think that we have spent a whole lot of time worshiping, and as we're going to see if we haven't already, a lot of times we haven't worshiped at all. Father, we thank you for this time we've had here tonight and as we've gone through what is incorrect worship. And please forgive us of when out of ignorance or just because of tradition and not even really thinking about it, Lord, we have perform the same errors that we have seen both in your old and your new covenant. Help us, Lord, to understand how to worship you in spirit and in truth, with the right heart, with the right attitude, following your instructions, not man-made traditions. Help us to seek this out, and Holy Spirit, may you teach us this very well. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.